is a two-minute teaching, testimony, travelogue, something like that. Um, and today we get to hear from our sister Angela Floody. I'm so excited for her to come and share with you what's, what God has put on her heart. So come on, Angela. a couple notes so I didn't like speak all morning but good morning everybody um for those of you that don't know me um I am Angela Floody and I've been a member of Life Church for quite some time I did take a little uh four-year trip to Utah so I wasn't here for a few years but came back um and now I don't foresee myself going anywhere anytime soon um today I just wanted to um take a few minutes I'm going to try to keep it to two um to let you all in and ask for your prayers on my fostering adventure um, I'd heard about the gathering well years ago, um, and I, I, timing maybe, I call it what you wish, it wasn't, I, I, I don't know, I kind of heard about it, but I didn't know much about it, and then it resurfaced in my life um, last year. Um, it's only one time a month, so I was kind of a bit bummed when October, November, and December sadly did not work for me to go help with the kids there, um, but I was going to start in January. Um, I felt as I waited for January to kind of come around, um, I felt God was really on my heart asking me to think about how more I could help with kids. Um, and I, I just, I, I started to think, like, what more could I do? Um, there's been a lot of adoption journeys here within Life Church, So watching that, um, I found myself thinking often, you know, what could I do? Could I do it? Because it's, it's just me. Um, I thought, I mean, I know um, I do have a church family here, clearly, but um, just me being a single woman, I wasn't sure. I'm like, gosh, could I do it? Um, I thought for sure I'd be a mom by now. Um, clearly that was my plan, but not God's. <laughs> and so life changes. Um, I absolutely love helping our life kids, uh, our life church kids. And I just kind of kept thinking, could I somehow then help as a foster mom? Um, I just feel I have a lot of love to give. And there's kids right in Sioux Falls that, you know, be willing to receive it. Um, but it kept kind of weighing on my heart, like, could I do it on my own? Um, I started praying more about it, and um, I knew Pastor Dave would be one of the first people I wanted to talk to about it. Um, I also knew that he was kind of questioning my sanity because I had signed up to run a full marathon last year. So there was a few questionable moments. Um, but when I mentioned it to him and just wanting to sit down and talk about the possibility, um, his eyes got pretty big, and with a big smile on his face, he thought I'd be great. Um, so he recommended I meet another foster mom who is a single woman. Um, with Kara's help, I was able to meet her quite quickly. Um, I seriously probably could have sat and talked to her all morning, um, but I did have to get to work. Um, later that afternoon, I emailed Lutheran Social Services, um, set up my initial meet and greet. Um, the Zoom session was just days after, um, and I started training in March. So it was a pretty quick process up to that point. Um, it's going to be a long journey. Um, I'll, keep you def I'll definitely keep you guys all informed along the way. Um, please feel free to ask me any questions. Um, my personal story, um, I have experienced a little bit of trauma um, as a kid. That definitely would take longer than a TMT. But I'm open and willing to talk if anybody has any questions. Um, I just feel like I have a lot of love to give, and I can bring a little light into these kids' lives. Um, but again, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. Um, as I start and continue with this journey, um, I'd really appreciate um, any prayers, um, prayers for patience. It will be um, quite the process. 
uh, wisdom to learn new things, uh, my heart to be open to learn. Some of that training is pretty tough. Um, strength, uh, some of the case stories are really, are really tough to read and watch and go through. Um, I told Dave last weekend it was a hot mess. It was a roller coaster of emotions, and understanding that is why I want to get involved. Um, but just prayers that I, um, that, that for me to have the strength to get through some of that. Um, increased communication and teamwork. I definitely can't do this alone. I'm going to have to be willing and open to ask for help when I need it. Um, empathy, open, and definitely openness to hearing um, God speak to me. Um, a big one for me, I feel like I, I am kind of predictable and lead a little bit of a structured life, so that is going to change. So prayers for flexibility um, and being able to kind of switch gears when needed, but greatly appreciated. So that's the start of it. I called this Fostering Part 1 when I wrote some notes because there's going to be a lot more along the way, but I definitely want to take you guys all with me and appreciate any prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, fostering part one, and we look forward to parts to all the sequels. You know, however many there are, praise God. You know, I love thinking about our Lord Jesus, who loved kids uh, like Angela does, and had the same heart that Angela does. So you have our Lord's heart, Angela. You want to care for kids, and not uh, Life Church wants to care for kids from all sorts of different backgrounds. Uh, wherever they come from, we believe that Jesus would welcome them with open arms. He would invest in them. He would love them. And we want to be part of his hands and feet in this community. If you have interest in joining up with what Angela's doing with Gathering Well, please talk to Kara Dehan. Um, that would be fantastic to get you involved there, too. So many opportunities in this city to care for kids um, who are from hard places and otherwise. You know, we've got lots of opportunities even in Life Church, too. So, um, thank you, Angela. Really encouraged by that, by what the Lord's speaking to you. Uh, excited for you to hear from Jack. You get a real treat today. Jack's going to come and preach to you from Isaiah 43. I'm going to read the text and, and welcome him to the pulpit here. It says this, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. This is God's word. This is quite a passage of scripture that he just read there. It's very meaningful to me because I've been in that river. If you, if you notice this, the words of the first song that was sung this morning, um, talking about get into the river and it washes all the dirt and all the, the, the strange things away from your life and you come out of there just clean and you can't help but talk about it. Well, I'm sorry if I bother you with my testimony, but I can't help but talk about it. Amen. It so drastically changed my life. 
and it was because of the river of the Lord that flowed. I have, uh, I look at this text and I see it says, do not think about the former things or the things of the past. And, but here I am thinking about the things of the past. But I want to let you know that there are certain things in the past of your life that can do only one thing for you, and that's that they propel you to the future. Back in 97, I ste- well, un- unknown to me, I stepped into the river of God that was literally flowing, and it forever changed my life. That was almost 25 years ago, and I still choke up I think about it because I can't forget it. And on May 19th last year, I met God in a way that I have never, I can't even explain it. I can't even totally understand it. But it just changed everything for me. It just totally transformed my life. Those two dates are so important to my life. I will never, ever forget them. But there's only one thing that they do. They push me towards the future. They push me towards a hope and a belief that God is up to something and wants to do something. And I don't believe for a moment that I'm the only one he's touching. I want to look at a couple of scriptures here before I get started with actually the the main part of what I want to say here because it's so important. In the beginning of Isaiah 43, It says in verse 1, Thus says the Lord, your creator, and he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. The same phrase occurs throughout the Old Testament in, in several different places. But in one particular, it is in Exodus 31.2. It's the story of the calling of Bezael. And God called him and said, I'm going to give you the spirit of wisdom to know how to construct the the tabernacle, to cut stone, to build the, the curtains. So the calling, if God says, I've called you and you're mine, it's for a purpose. God has called each one of us for a purpose. He's called you by name. You have a purpose. That's why he calls you. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will, not, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Verse 4, he goes on, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples exchange for your life. Verse 5 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Verse 8, Bring out the people who are blind 
even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears. Verse 9, all the nations have gathered together in order that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and proclaim to us the former things? Let them present their witness that they may be justified. Here's the point of these verses here. It says, I am the Lord. I am he. I have called you. I am God. He's establishing a premise that he alone is God. There isn't any other. He's establishing the fact that he is the one who foretold what was going to happen in the future, and no one else can do that. Therefore, since no one else can do it, who is God? He is. He is God. And I think that this is very important as we understand what Isaiah is writing here in the, in the later verses of 43 that were just read. But before I go on to that point, I want to pray. Would you pray with me right now? Father God, we need your Holy Spirit. It's only your Spirit that can open our eyes. It's only your Spirit that can open our ears so we can understand what your Spirit is saying to us as your church. Speak to our hearts right now, Jesus, and change our lives and make us new and make us to understand so that we can see what you see and we can boldly step forward into the future that you have for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I have sent to Babylon and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans into the ships in which they rejoice. What you have to understand right here is that Israel has been into captivity to Babylon. And he's saying that I'm going to take the Babylonians and I'm going to put them in the ships that they're so proud of and I'm going to bring them captive and I'm going to release you and set you free Israel and then he makes a statement about, about the, these statements right here he says I am the Lord your holy one the creator of, your, of, of Israel your king thus says the Lord who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters he's referring directly here to the Red Sea when he brought Israel out of Egypt and delivered them and set them free. He said, the army, the mighty man, they will lie down together and not rise again. The very sea that he parted and let Israel through now collapsed upon the Egyptian army and destroyed every one of them, the thing that they were afraid of. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. God is saying to Israel, do you remember that? Do you remember that time when he rescued you and brought you out of, out of Egypt? He says, now I'm going to do it again in Babylon. Do you realize what's happening? First, he, he, he came to them in Egypt and he brought them out through, through Moses and through the working with Moses. Then they turned away from God. 
They turned away from him and did not do what he had asked them to do. They, he didn't, they did not follow him. And they were sent into captivity into Babylon. And now he's saying, I'm going to bring them out. So what does he say? Don't remember the former things. Don't look back at those things that were so bad. Because if you just stay back there and back things in a nostalgic attitude, thinking about how it was in the good old days, you're going to miss what God is saying he's going to do now. Because he's saying something to us. He's saying, behold, look out there. Can you see? I am about to do something new, a new thing. Now it will spring forth. And he asks this question, will you not perceive it? His concern, God, the prophet's speaking from the, to the, from the Lord, and he's saying, will you not perceive it? Notice, he could have said, will you, will you understand it? Will you perceive it? But no, he said, will you not perceive it? The idea is that maybe you won't even see it. Do you have eyes but cannot see? Do you have ears and cannot hear? God wants us to see and to hear. Can you see what has been preached to us in the last weeks? Can you remember Isaiah 55? Come and drink water and eat food without cost? Do you think God is trying to say something to us? Do you think he's, not, he's trying to tell us something? Do you see what happened last Sunday? We were a church laughing together, having fellowship together, enjoying one another, enjoying the presence of the Lord for a purpose that God has set forth for a mission team. We were a church united. Do you see it? Do you see what God is doing? He says, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to open up something that you've never seen before, and I'm going to do it. He goes on. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I remember back in 1968-69, the winter, I know that some of you do. The snow started, and it didn't quit until there was 100 inches of snow on the ground. It was my first year at Sioux Falls College, USF. <laughs> I grew up on a farm north of here, 30 miles. I couldn't make it home. I could get to Del Rapids, but that was it because the snow drifts were so deep, and they couldn't even clear the roads. But then finally, they began to, towards the end of winter, early spring, they began to bring out the heavy equipment and literally had to push it to the side, like you see here, to get roads open. And we have a video of my dad finally driving through the driveway and his car disappearing in the canyon of snow. He couldn't even see it to get it open. So finally, I was able to get home. And I remember that Sunday, 
we were loaded up in a car and going to church, which was only a mile and a half away from us. And I remember looking at the ditch that, that warm spring day and a little trickle of water on top of the snow about this wide, just a little trickle of water heading towards the river. And what, you know, we went to church about 10 o'clock. I suppose we came home about 1230, got to that same ditch, and it was no longer this wide. It was about this wide, and it was rolling fast towards the river. It never stopped. It never got cold again. And that little Sioux River ended up a mile wide. Sheds were floating down the river. Garages were floating down the river. It moved, and everything in its way moved. <laughs> of course, then I couldn't get home from college anymore because I couldn't get past the river. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell that story because there's a river of God. Look at that picture right there. At the throne, you see the blue? The water coming down? <laughs> Ezekiel talks of the river in the New Jerusalem. When everything is restored and set it up, the water coming from under the throne and, coming and going out into the valley, a little place. And a man that's with Ezekiel measures out 1,000 cubits, 1,500 feet. And he walks across the river ankle deep, measured out another 1,500 feet. And it's up to his knees, measured out another 1,500 feet. It's getting up here now. And he measures out another 1,500 feet, and he can't walk across it. He has to swim if he's going to go across it. And it keeps rolling and rolling. There are no tributaries feeding this river. It's coming from the throne. And I can tell you right now, there's a river flowing in Life Church. It may be only a trickle. And God is saying, look, look at it. Behold, I'm going to do something new. John, in the book of John, records Jesus making the statement. I'm going to read it. I've got it right here. John 7, 37 to 38, it says, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit. Are there rivers of living water coming out of you? Are people so attracted to you because of the water that just flows out of you, the river of life? That's the question I'm asking. Do people look at you and say, wow, he's alive, she's alive? Because the river of life is flowing out of you? That's what Jesus promised. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus expects of every one of those who follow him. That rivers of life flow out of us. My next question is, what stops that river from flowing? 
What's the most obvious thing right now that slows the Sioux River down? It hasn't rained. There wasn't any snow. The ice is out up by my place, and there's a big old rock in there that has been there forever. And as, as a kid, that's what we measured the length, the, how deep the river was. It's pretty shallow. There's not much there. So drought can stop the river flowing. Why do I say drought? Do we have a drought in our spiritual life? Do we spend enough time in the Word? Do we spend enough time in prayer? Do we spend enough time just knowing Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about prayers that are just nothing but rote memory, a habit. I go through this, go through this, go through this. There, I can put it away. God won't bother me no more because now I said my prayers. What an attitude. That is not what God wants from us. God wants a living, breathing relationship where he can speak to you and you can speak to him and you can hear him. You can hear him. The main source of hearing him is going to be the word. But how can you really know that he's speaking to you if you don't know the word? If you don't read it, if you don't meditate upon it and let it speak into your heart. I sometimes wonder, what is our attitude towards the Word? Do we think it's just an old 2,000-year-old book that we don't have to pay too much attention to anymore and have some good things to say? Or is it the God-breathed Word of God that He is speaking to you right now through that Word? He's breathing it out. A drought means we're not spending enough time with Jesus to really know him, not just about him. You can read this book and know a lot about him and not know him. And if you just, I'm going to make a really bold statement here, and if you just know about him, I question whether you're really saved. You've got to know him. He's a real person. Sin can get in the way of that river flowing. A habitual sin, something that you just can't seem to quit doing. A bad attitude. I don't think I need to name anymore. I think if we're really in touch with the Lord, we can understand the roadblocks that can get in the way of the river flowing in our life. Because I read this, I read this passage and Jesus making the statement, he who believes in me, as the scriptures said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Can you imagine this church and everyone here and the rivers of living water flowing freely out of every one of us? What do you think would happen to this neighborhood? What do you think would happen to this city? God is looking for a church who is willing to let the rivers of water just flow out of us and flood this area. What do you think would happen? I can tell you what would happen. People would come here. What is going on? I want it. I'm thirsty. I've got to have it. 
They'd come with the struggles of their life and the difficulties of their life in there and say, where is this river of life? I want it. I've got to have it. Nineteen ninety-seven. I went on a trip and I had no idea, of, no plan of, of doing anything of what happened to me. I did not plan to going to where I went. <laughs> I was planning on going something else. And God set me up. <laughs> Literally. He maneuvered everything so I didn't have any choice but to go where, I, where he wanted me to go. And I, I ended up in that river. The river of life that flows it was flowing. I felt it. I knew it. And it changed everything in my life. And I'm telling you right now, you couldn't get the results of what happened in that place just because somebody went up, went up and started preaching. If the Spirit of God wasn't there, if that river wasn't flowing, you wouldn't have had hundreds of thousands of people saved. And millions and millions of people from all over the world coming to that place to receive from the Lord God. Now, I'm not trying to duplicate that here. I'm not trying to create that so that it happens here. But the Spirit of God is saying, I'm about to do something new. Will you perceive it? Will you understand it? Will you let it happen? Will you let the rivers of living water flow out of you? Will you come after me and pursue me? Will you give your life to me unconditionally? Will you surrender everything? He wants to make a way in this wilderness. And I'm telling you right now, this land is a wilderness. If it wasn't a wilderness, why is this nation so divided? Why is there such a drug problem? Why are there so many people who just have no hope at all? Why do they live the life that they live? Why are they chasing drugs? Why are they chasing pornography? Why are they going after this and going after that? But no one goes after Jesus. Why? This land is a wilderness. And God wants to bring a river into this church and let it flow out the doors and bring people in that they would come to know him and know the author of life. I've lost my interest in anything and everything else. Jesus is it. I do not care about anything else. He calls for each one of us as an unconditional surrender. And I can say that, and I can say it scripturally, because Revelation speaks of, I would that you were hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That only leaves two. You're either cold or you're hot. And you don't want to be cold because that means you're gone. Hot means you're on fire for him. Hot means he's more important to you than anything else in this world. Hot means you're going after him. Hot means you're surrendered to him. Hot means you'll go do anything he asks you to do. It calls for an unconditional surrender. I've heard part of the document 
of the unconditional surrender of Germany to the Allies after World War II. And the statement that grabbed me so much was that it's an unconditional surrender with no argument and no comment by surrendered Germany. They couldn't make a statement, anything at all. They were done. And the reality is, is and maybe, maybe some of us don't like this, but the reality is that Jesus is calling for an absolute, unconditional surrender to him. It means you give up, you, you give up your goals, you give up yourself, you give up your self-interest, you give up your desires, your wishes, your hopes, your dreams, you surrender them all, you give them all up. Let him form them. Let him determine what they're going to be. There's a scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But if you're delighting yourself in the Lord just so you can get the desires of your heart, you're not delighting in the Lord. You delight in the Lord so you can get the Lord. And then he'll look at you and say, huh, he likes to do that. Give that desire to him. <laughs> That's how he responds to us. That's what he does. But I can tell you right now, if you really delight yourself in the Lord, he will be such a delight to you that you won't care about any of those other things. That's why, that's what I have discovered. Because I, I can tell you that May 19th was the date when I said, Lord, I'm finished. I surrender. I don't care about anything else. I'm done. I surrender unconditionally. Do what you want with me. And it's been delightful. When I made that move toward Scripture says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. That one little statement, Jesus, I'm done. I say yes to you. I surrender my life to you, was a move towards God. One little step, but when I did that, he opened up a floodgate towards me. He opened up a river towards me. And I, I just... I still have to shake my head. God, I don't know what you're doing. Don't know how you're doing it. Don't care. Just keep doing it. Because he has been such a delight. The life that I've found since then has just been incredible. Makes me wonder if I was ever saved before that. I believe I was, but I mean, the change has been so dramatic. So I, I look at the scripture again, and I'm going to read it again. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make ro a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my by praise to give drink to my chosen people. You are his chosen people, every one of you. If you know him, if you are a believer in him, you are his chosen people. And his statement is to give drink to my chosen people, to get into that river and live. 
so that that river of life can flow out of you. The people whom I form for myself will declare my praise. I can't do anything but give him praise. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is think about Jesus. I can't help it. He's changed everything. See, most of you don't even know the story of my life. I'm not going to go there. And I don't know the story of your life. But I know there's pain in people's lives. I know there's sorrow in people's lives. I know there's dreams that haven't come true. And you've given up hope. I had a dream. I had a dream back when I was in my teens. And it never came true. A hope. That was the most painful thing for me. To live all my life until in my 70s. And and I just was at the point, it's never going to happen. And then God resurrected it. And then God changed everything. But it only happened when I surrendered. It only happened at that point. I know that there are people in this place because I know some stories. There are people in this place who've had some dreams, who've had some hopes, and they're hurt. Kids that don't know the Lord and they used to. And God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not perceive it? Don't give up hope. Like Psalms 126 says, when you delivered us, when you restored our captivity, it was like a dream. And then I suddenly realized it's not a dream. It's real. It's really happening. Yeah, rivers of living water can flow from this place. God can make a way in a wilderness when there doesn't seem to be any way at all. God can break bondages. God can break old habits. God can change old lives into brand new lives. God can do things that you think are impossible and can't be done. And our problem is we sit around and wonder, how in the world is he going to do this? doesn't matter how he's going to do it. He can do it. See, our problem is, our problem is we're, we're trying to figure out things. And we're trying to create things and manipulate things and make things happen and form programs and form this and form that. Now, not that, not that programs and things like that are, are all wrong. I'm not saying that. But when we say that, do we include the power of the Holy Spirit to change a life? There is no power on earth. There is no counselor. There is no one I could ever talk to that could ever do for me what happened to me on May 19th. Only the Holy Spirit. 
Ask me to explain how he did it. I can't tell you. I don't know how. I just know he did. But that's not a story that can just be mine. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to fall in this place. To bring conviction that his word is true. To bring conviction that we need to pray and seek his face. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to break sinful habits. To to bring hope to our lives. To bring courage and strength to us. To bring us to the place where we don't care what people say. We'll preach the gospel. We'll tell them that Jesus is the only way. And we'll face up to this world and not care what the world can do to us. Have you ever wondered why someone over in a foreign country where it's illegal to be a Christian can stand up and tell about Jesus and know that they're going to get hit physically and thrown in jail because of their faith in Jesus? Have you ever wondered why they could do that? It's not so much a mystery to me anymore. Heaven forbid that I would disobey him. That is the most horrible thought to me. Want to know why? If you love me, you will obey me. So if I say I love Jesus, but I continually disobey him, do I love him? No. Words are empty then. They're meaningless. But if I love Jesus, I will obey him. I'll admit, I don't think I've been tested. At least I don't think I have been. But I can't stand the thought of him telling me to do something and me saying no. Because the relationship has become so close to him that I just don't want to disobey him at all. That's what he's calling us to. And I say this word. Because my heart cries for the lost. My heart cries for my kids that don't know the Lord. My heart cries for your kids that don't know the Lord. My heart cries for those people out there that don't know Jesus. Because here's the reality. There is a hell. There is a lake of fire. And without Jesus, that's where they're going. Now, if you don't believe that, I'm sorry. But that's exactly what the word of the Lord says. There's one way to the Father, and Jesus is that way. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in this place to flood this place with a river, the living water of God, that people would know the Lord. You can put a sign up here all you want. Revival services, church services, advertise anything, and you're not going to get very many people come, if any. But if the power of the Lord falls in this place and people's lives begin to get changed, people are saved, they're they're released from from addictions and drugs and alcohol and pornography and all kinds of other horrible things and their life is totally transformed, it's going to happen. People will come come to the Lord. They'll wonder why. They'll wonder about this power that can change a life. It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Behold, I'm about to do a new thing. 
Will you not perceive it? Will you not let the water of life flow out of you? Will you not surrender your lives to the Lord so he can do whatever he wants to do with you? He's the Lord. Don't sing songs about Jesus being the Lord if he's not going to be Lord of your life. In Isaiah 44, I'm going to read this. And, but now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Put yourself in there. Now listen, Life Church, my servant. You whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Do not fear. Life Church, my servant. For I'll pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's. And that one will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord. And will name the Lord as belonging to him. I can't help but speak these things. We're not here for ourselves. Jesus paid a horrible price to redeem us. Part of our difficulty is, is we don't realize the horribleness of sin. We don't realize that we are a broken people. When sin, in, sin entered into the human race, it shattered us and broke us. And Jesus came to change that, to make us new, to undo and destroy the works of the evil one. And the scripture makes it very clear you are not your own, you have been bought with a price. Not silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus I can't do anything but surrender to him I can't do anything but that Father I thank you that you gave your son I can't even imagine what you must have felt like when they began beating him. As a father, I can't even imagine 
what it would be like for me to look upon my son and see people beating him. Beating him to death. But you let it happen because you wanted to redeem us. And Jesus, thank you for laying down your life. And no man took it from you, but you laid it down willingly of your own accord to redeem us, to bring us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for saving us, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and help us to see that our life is not our own, but it belongs to you. And you have called us for a purpose far greater than anything this world could ever give to us. And that our life, 70 years, 80 years here on this earth, isn't even a drop compared to eternity. And you called us to something greater and higher. And you're saying to us, look, I'm about to do something new. Will you not perceive it? Will you please understand and move with me and flow with me? I've called you. I've anointed you. You're mine. Your name is written on my, the palm of my hand. You belong to me. I've redeemed you. And I'm calling you for a higher purpose. Come up here and see what it is. And experience the great love and the delight of knowing me, your Savior, like you've never known me before. In Jesus' name.